everybody. Thanks for joining us on the Catholic Talk Show. It's Ryan Delacross, Ryan Shield, and Father Rich. How you guys doing? Awesome. Good. Ryan, Padre. Oh. All right. Ryan. Ryan. Rich. Wow. Um, all right. So, so thanks for listening. If you if you want to check us out in different uh, options for the podcast, you got YouTube, Stitcher, Twitter, Facebook. It's all on our website. You Twitter. Get, yeah, Twitter. The Twitters. <laughs> Facebook. We're everywhere. It's yeah. on the interwebs. Yeah, go to catholictalkshow.com and you can find your preferred method for watching or listening and you sub- and subscribe. I really right. appreciate it. Today we're talking about the craziest Pope stories you've never heard of. There's some crazy stories out there about Popes. I know. I can't wait to get into a few of these. I know. Yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it kind of just speaks for on its own. Crazy Pope stories. Yeah, you know, in the history. I want to hear more about crazy popes. There's been a lot of popes. There's been a lot of good ones. There's been, you know, there's been a lot of bad popes too. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I think any Catholic that won't admit that doesn't quite understand, uh, number one, the role of the papacy, and number two, the history of the church. And um, there's a cardinal who famously said that uh, Napoleon was, Napoleon had invaded Rome and said, we're going to destroy the church. And this cardinal said, Napoleon, if the bishops and the popes haven't been able to do it in the last 2,000 years, you're not going to be able to either. Amen to that. <laughs> That's very true. So, you know, some of the things that we're going to talk about that happened with popes, um, we're going to talk about um, the reason why that there's elephant bones buried underneath um, Vatican City and how that helped um, kick off the Protestant Reformation. That's just a crazy story. That's weird. That is weird. How does elephant bones do something? That's right. We're going to talk about another thing about bones. Was it in the construction process? I got. I can't wait to. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about. Why another do we thing. always talk about bones on this show? It's, like, it's like every day, every time we talk, it's about something about it's bones. The Catholic talk show, man. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. what happens. Um, well, speaking of bones, we're going to talk about the time that a pope dug up the bones of the pope prior to him, his cadaver, and put it on trial for heresy. Yes. That's. I can't wait to hear about that. Yeah. We're going to talk about why popes actually changed their name and the story that led to that. We're going you to mean t- popes in plural? They, they yeah. change their name? Well, you know, our, our current pontiff, Pope Francis, that's, you know, he wasn't born in baptized Francis. He was Jorge Mario Bergoglio. Yeah. yeah. So why, Botilla, you know, and no, all these other. No, 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 no. I, I thought they change it after they change it the first time. No. no. Okay. Keep, all right. Then that's not keep crazy. Up, right? keep that's up. not crazy. I know about this. Hello. Stuff. Go ahead. We're going to talk about why um, the election process of the Pope is called a conclave. Mm. And the kind of crazy story that led up to that name being adopted and the whole process becoming what it is. And then we're also um, we're also going to talk about the only man who was actually elected Pope twice. Mm. Mm. So, mm. so stick with us throughout this. This is a Catholic talk show, and we're going to get into it. Yeah. Muy interesante. Yeah. Muy. From high above Hollywood in the Cast Media Studios on a kind of hazy day, but, you know, I think it's perfect. You know, perfect environment to talk about how some of the crazy... Hazy, crazy things. I don't know. Can we bleep things? Bleep. Do we have a bleep button? The crazy bleep popes have done. They just got that. That's right. They just got the bleep button. Yeah, Yeah, they were celebrating. So now we've got a heresy button. We got a bleep button. We got a brilliant button. We have a brilliant button? Yeah. We we just haven't hit it yet. We just haven't hit it yet. Oh, okay. There was one moment when Ryan Shield was speaking. We got close. It was like I was close, but not there. (sighs) No, no bueno. Forgive me, Father. No, no. All right. Let's jump in. Elephant right. bones. Elephant, Elephant bones. bones. Here we go. So <sighs> the Pope, obviously, he was, you know, the most important, um, both, you know, religious and political 
person, you know, throughout most of the history of the Western civilization. And obviously, when a new pope was elected, the the uh, the political leaders would want to curry favor of the new pope, so they would send him all sorts of gifts, right? Yeah, I guess not. Gifts. I haven't sent him anything. They sent him a gif. Yeah, a gif. they texted him a gif. They texted him a gif. Emoji. Yeah, em- emoji. <laughs> emoji. A gif. A gif. A gif. Which that you hit the heresy button for anyone who says gif out there. Burm, burm, burm. Anathema. Officially heresy. <laughs> Anathema. Sit. So Anathema gif. You know, you'd expect if you know. Elephants are not native to the Italian peninsula. No. And you would expect that if you're digging up bones of elephant, it may be from, you know, the Carthaginian invasion where Hannibal marched. That's what I was thinking. Elephants, like an absolute <laughs> madman over the Alps. I was thinking like the obelisk, right? Because the obelisk in the middle of St. Peter's Square, that baby's got to be heavy. Or like the construction process of the church. Yeah, like you the know, elephants like, were pulling it up. Yeah. Because like, yeah. you need some elephant power. And then they died and then there was the bones. Ryan, have you ever had an experience in life where you're like, I need some elephant power? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Actually, I rate my car in elephant power. Most people use horsepower. Yeah. But, you know, I want cars to be rated right on elephant power. Now you yeah. can pull some heavy weight. Yeah, that's right. An yeah. elephant-powered truck. So you guys know that so the Protestant Reformation, it was, you know, pretty much a, you know, it, Martin Luther. Contentious times. And the Pope of the time Very. was Pope Leo X. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pope Leo was right, by Dude, the way. he's my man. Yeah, he's, he's right. Anyone out there who says that Pope Leo wasn't right, fight me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I named got my son back. Leo. Yeah, right. Leo. Leo. Leo is a bruiser, he's dude. Great. Yeah, he's, he's great. a great kid. So, um, Giovanni di Lorenzo de' Medici, he became elected mm. Pope. Oh, Medici family. Yeah, Medici. Oh, yeah. He was elected Pope uh, Leo X. And as was custom, all the kings, the Catholic kings of Europe, were sending him gifts. Now, this is right around the time that the exploration of the New World was opening up. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was very important for the warring, uh, well, not warring, but the competing um Net, the competing nations and kingdoms to really get cur- you know the favor of the Pope so that they he would back their claims to these different areas they were exploring, you know whether it was in South America or the you know the Far East or in the you know the Indies or in North America, and the two main exploration or exploratory powers at the time were Spain and Portugal, and the King of Portugal really wanted to blow. Leo the 10th away and give him the awesomest gift ever. And at the time, you know, this was really before, you know, there's no interwebs, there's no internet. You couldn't even look up. What? Yeah. No interwebs back then? No. Jeez. That, yeah. So we're talking a long time ago. So exotic spices, exotic uh animals, these things were very, very highly cool. regarded. Really yeah. cool. Oh, right. Yeah. I think they're still cool. Yeah, me too. Especially spices from India. Ooh, baby. That's right. Well, now it's interesting because Portugal actually was colonizing India, mm. right? And for the spice trade and to get more um, papal backing for their activities and for their routes and to get, you know, license to do that, the king of Portugal actually got from India an elephant and gave that to the coronation as a coronation gift to Pope Leo X. I, 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 yeah. I mean, it's an elephant. Where's he going to put it? Now, in another episode, we've got horses go inside oh. of the Vatican, yeah. inside of St. Peter's. I it's wonder like if, a farmhouse right yeah, now. What did he do with that elephant? He's just cruising around the, you know, yeah. papal gardens, <laughs> stomping things. The all Via over. Conciliazione, <laughs> you know, just riding on an <laughs> elephant. 
given his papal blessing. Well, that's right. But, you know, the people of the time. So when when Leo X got this elephant, this elephant was causing havoc, right? It was stomping all over the place. But of course, Pope Leo loved this elephant. He even named it. It was, it was called Hanno. That was, that was the name of the elephant. He loved it. And the, I mean, he even had Michelangelo sketch this elephant. There's a sketch done by Michelangelo of an elephant, of the elephant of Pope Leo X. And for Michelangelo, this is, you know, he he really has studied anatomy and, you know, drawing. And to see an elephant in person, this was a big deal for him too. It was a big deal in Italy. It's like, wow, there's an elephant. This is like, this is like the yeah. opening of, you know, the Avengers. This is a big, you know, attraction. Fish out of water. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, the Pope, he he built a special building for the elephant, right? And he would, uh, he would allow the people of Rome to come and visit the elephant every week. And... Um, he, uh, he Thus the birth of circus. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. The Pope would allow <laughs> like famous <laughs> artists or whatever as an honor to ride Hanno the elephant through the streets of Rome in, in, in um, uh, parades on top of the elephant as a real sign of honor. And it, it, he, at one point, he, um, the elephant got a little, you know, a little crazy and was smashing vendors and stuff like that. It was pretty nuts. So it was really became a joke that the Pope really loved this elephant too much. And yeah. then one of, uh, like it. one of Martin Luther's first attacks on the papacy before he even nailed his 95 theses to the church in, uh, was that he was criticizing the Pope for how much he loved this elephant and how <laughs> much it was a sign of the extravagance of the Catholic Church. Now, listen, Marty Luther, it's an elephant. It's cool. You're just stodgy, right? <laughs> Let's see how you act, Martin Luther, yeah, when you're, you're just mad because elephant. Yeah, if Martin Luther an had an elephant, he'd be like, I've got an elephant on Martin Luther, huh? right? But you don't, so you have to you know, nail stuff around. Sour grapes, dude. We get yeah. it. If you're wondering for a birthday gift for me, by the way, if you're out there, I, I kind of would like an elephant. That would be kind of cool. It's going to be tough to put in the elevator here at the uh, cast media office. We'll just bring it to Houston and put it in your backyard. There you so, go. So Leo, you know, really loved this elephant, but, you know, an elephant in Italy is probably not going to do too well, mm -mm. especially with the zoological services of the time. <laughs> so in 1516, Hanno started getting pretty sick and he was having a hard time breathing. And, you know, the doctors at the time, being what they were, they prescribed... Um, um, Asthma medication? Robitussin. Well... They figured Put that Robitussin Robitus DM. No, they figured <laughs> that he was. They figured that he was constipated. Oh, oh man! So yeah, of course, what you know to everyone, as everyone knows, for a constipated ele elephant, the only medicine is gold. Of course, yeah. they gave him a suppository of gold. Huh? That's right. It was a very common treatment at the time. So if you were, if you were very wealthy, you, they would stick, you know, yeah, gold. I get it right there. That's yeah. <laughs> well, didn't work. The elephant died mm. pretty quick. Gold poisoning. Gold poisoning. Yeah, I mean, that's the uh, good job. Side effects include. That's right. Now, was the guy who gave the suppository to the elephant ex excommunicated? Mm. Was this an offense to the person of the Holy Father? Yeah, I don't know, but you know, the Holy Father did. He wrote a poem about the death of the elephant. Mm. He's a he, little overboard. Yeah, right. he had a mural made commemorating the elephant and he even had parts of the bones of the elephant shipped around to his favorite bishops almost like relics now this is maybe a little bit weird. overboard a little Eight bit weird days of mourning that's an octave of mourning that must have been like the first time he ever he probably didn't even know what an elephant was he probably saw it he's like whoa oh yeah you know 
So, but either what, that or he was crazy, or both. Though one of the things that's pretty crazy is that there was another reformer in the church, an anonymous Franciscan monk, uh, who didn't like what was going on, some of the corruption, and he traveled twenty thousand followers to Rome, to and he prophesied the death of bishops, cardinals, the pope, and the elephant. He even prophesied the death of the elephant, and sure enough, the elephant died, and didn't that didn't make the pope too happy. So he prophesied that the elephant would die from a suppository? I don't think he got the that specific. The word of the okay. Lord spoke to me. A golden suppository <laughs> shall enter the elephant's you know. offices. <laughs> but yeah, so, and he shall fall into utter peril. So yeah, the, but they, you know, they buried him with a, you know, great ceremony and <laughs> Oh my gosh. They were, would they you were, have a ritual for death ritual for elephants now because of that? Yeah, so in 1962, they were, they were digging in this particular courtyard in Vatican City because they were installing uh, new heating and cooling, and they found the bones of an elephant. And, and they're some like, gold. And some gold. <laughs> and it's, yeah. There's some gold in that elephant. <laughs> There's gold in our elephants. Wow. So, yeah. That's sick. So, yeah, but, you know, all this kind of extravagance around the elephant was kind of the first thing that really got Marty Luther all, you know, yeah. all itchy. So. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> The bones of the elephant. That's right. I just can't get over a golden suppository. Yeah. I mean, we should have like, we should run, you know, I like wouldn't a have line of that. Administer that. That's no, just yeah. somebody's got it. Especially in an elephant. Can you imagine being there for that blowout? Oh, man? for heaven's sake. Well, it didn't work. Elephant. It didn't oh, work, so there probably wasn't a blowout. Poor, constipated elephant. Mm. Poor thing. Mm. Yeah. So Sad. that's so that's Hanno. that story. That's Hannah the elephant. All right. Hanno, may you rest in peace and elephant. He's no longer constipated. That's yeah. right. In the great unconstipated rainbow bridge of elephant heaven. <laughs> Where the streets are lined with gold. And, you, <laughs> and unicorns. And unicorns oh on Father gosh. Rich's chalice. Oh, oh gosh. I need, I, wonder, to, I need to include an elephant on my chalice. We talk a lot about, you Father know, Rich, if you ever become Pope, I think you should use the elephant as your papal crest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A golden Never elephant. Never shall we see the day. What's next? <laughs> How can you top that? Yeah, there's not really a smooth segue. No, no there isn't really a smooth not. segue from no, that. This is it, man. It's just a Well, do you guys want to talk about the time that a pope dug up his predecessor's body and put yes, him on trial? Yes. All right. That is bizarre. Now, this is one of he the- He must have been really mad at him. Oh, yeah. Mad at his dead body. Yeah, so Stephen VI, mm -hmm. not necessarily a great guy. He was pope, um, nine, uh, 987. 987. 987. And this whole scenario is it's pretty infamous, you know, with historians, and it's called the Synodus Horrenda, or that's in Latin, but it's known as the Cadaver Synod, where they dug up the Pope, the All previous the bishops? Pope. No. Okay. Pope Stephen VI ordered the exhumation of Pope, Pope Formosus and stood him on trial for heresy. <laughs> What was the heresy that he was on trial for? So there's a lot of warring factions as to who would control the papacy, right? And infighting. Right. So doesn't happen anymore. Never. Pope Formosus's predecessor was Pope John VIII, and he was from the same faction as Pope Stephen. Mm. Now, when Pope Form uh, Formosus was elected upon the death of Pope John, um, basically Stephen lost his power, right? And he was exiled. And that faction had won the papacy. So when then subsequently Formosus died, the other faction won and got their guy back in power, Pope Stephen VI. So to kind of curb the effect of the, the papacy of Pope Formosus, 
and all the Episcopal um, nominations that he had made and all the bishops that he had made that would, I guess, further solidify the political standing of that particular sect. Yeah. Stephen, the one way to basically nullify those bishops and their power was to say that their their ordinations and their consecrations were invalid. And by the only way to do that would be to say that Formosus was heretical, therefore it nullified his actions. So it was really a political play. So Pope Stephen- A weird one. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Wow. I'm just picturing him with a spade shovel with a cope on, just digging him up, ready to just lay down the law. Where right. we, where'd we put that guy? <laughs> He's somewhere around He's here. Somewhere around. He's over by the elephant. <laughs> Go get him. So they dug up Pope Formosus. They dressed him in pool, full papal regalia, rings, miter, copa, everything, right? Wow. Smelly. Mm. Smelly scent. Yeah, could you yeah. imagine the scent? Yeah, probably not great. Yeah. And they put him on the chair, and then they had a full trial. There was probably a lot of incense during that trial. I would hope. So who Think represented this guy? Did he have any advocacy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. What well, did he say on the stand? I don't think. I don't imagine it was a very fair trial. <laughs> I don't think that uh, the transparency and the rule of law was really in Stephen's mind. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, it was close, but they found him guilty. <laughs> it was close. Darn it. So then when they found him guilty, what they did is they ordered. He that- really, you know, laid out a killer argument. But <laughs> right. I mean, it was. <laughs> yeah. They- <laughs> he nearly. <laughs> Died up there. <laughs> so they um, so they found him guilty. Then Stephen the sixth ordered that uh, he was stripped of his papal vestments. They cut off the three fingers that the Pope would use to do his blessings. They oh, cut them wow. off. Um, That's just wrong. Lord have mercy. And then anger. And then importantly, anger. importantly, the Stephen the sixth they formally invalidated all of his papal acts, which mm-hmm. is really what he was going for. Then they declared him null and void. Um. So and then they said. Bury him not in a in a Catholic or a papal graveyard. Bury him in one of the graveyards meant for foreign travelers of different faiths mm. as a, another insult. But then he thought it wasn't good enough. So he dug him up again a second time, had weights tied to him, and threw him in the Tiber River. He's sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> Joey Fabrizioni did that for him. <laughs> That'll teach him. That'll teach you. Hey, Vinny Bubas. <laughs> Go get the millstone. <laughs> Tell the Bishop of Forto that Formosa sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> that is just weird. Oh, that's weird stuff. So what that's happened is that, weird. well, makes me want to be Catholic. That's right. <laughs> well, I think about like our, so look, our popes in history, you know, like that we grew up with from JP2 yeah. to Pope Benedict yeah. to now Pope Francis. There's like a consistency and like, yeah. thank God. Right. That That's through true. this lineage, like they all appreciate one another. They all affirm their work in the world. The hermeneutic of continuity. The hermeneutic of continuity. Herman? You know? Yeah. Herman. Hermene- who's hermeneutics? Herman. That was in, that was in I think third year seminary, which you didn't make. You didn't I know make what it hermeneutics. <laughs> I know what hermeneutics is, but you know, like to interpret the movement of the spirit in the church, which is a good active hermeneutic mm-hmm. of a continuity that's shared between pope to pope yeah. to pope. That there are clear gifts and talents that God has placed within yeah. these popes, and they're continuing the service in a consistent manner to the people and governing, you know, the the Holy Roman Catholic Church. It's fascinating. Yeah, I think in recent years, there really hasn't been any, like, 
crazy popes. There's right? not there's not much papal beef going on right. these days. No, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. It's not like the Avignon papacy or something. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, it's they, they they moved him back from France or something to Rome, right? Yeah. Is that, yeah. yeah, the Avignon papacy or the Avignon uh, the Babylonian papacy. Mm. So anyway, there's kind of a kind of some justice in this story. So when they dug him up and they tied weights to him and they threw him in the Tiber, eventually his body broke through the through free of the weights and washed up on the shores where a group of nuns found him, recognized him, washed him, cleaned him, redressed him in papal regalia and buried him. And sweet nuns. To how the beautiful. Then thank God for nuns. Then yeah, people right? started reporting miracles around where his body washed up and at his grave. And everyone said, wow, this is of God. This was a good man. And the population of Rome really turned against Stephen the sixth. Whoa. Backfired. That's right. He God was, don't play. He was mm. deposed. He was imprisoned. And while he was in prison, he was strangled to death. Whoa. That's right. So then following story. violence begets violence, man. Right. So then the two crazy. subsequent popes, Theodore and John the Ninth, they convened their own synod, which officially reversed the findings of the cadaver synod and cleared for Moses's name. Stephen just wasn't a nice guy. I really I, wouldn't want to be in the same. How did room he get voted? Did they vote for car for the cardinals? Vote for yeah, but popes? you know, back then there was only ten to twelve cardinals. Gotcha. And depending on who was in power, whether it was the Orsini family or the Medici's or whoever, yeah. or whoever had the backing of this emperor or this some king, political was, influence. That's right. right. Which doesn't exist right. now in the church. When the papal states no longer was a thing in 1870, and we really became. Um, more of a spiritual entity, no longer had the trappings of temporal right. power. I definitely think that it's brought in a lot of fresh air for, for the popes. And you don't have stories where they're digging each other up because the king of France and the bishop of Bulgaria are disagreeing. So let's dig up a pope. It's it's kind of unseemly. Mm -hmm. It's like a soap opera. That's right. It's a pope opera. Pope opera. <laughs> you heard we've it here great, first. Yeah, we've got a great idea for a show. That's right. The pope operas. Yeah, you guys can write a... Pop opera about the cadaver synod. I mean, oh. that would do great on Broadway, I think, right? Yeah. God bless those <laughs> man, nuns. What a musical. Yeah. Oh, man. Nuns are Thank sweet. God for nuns. religious communities yeah. of women. Where yeah. would we be without them? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Breath of fresh air. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, talking about bad popes, let's, do you want to talk about another bad pope? Of course. If you like them. So, did you know there's actually been one pope who was pope more than twice? No. I'm, I did not know. Yeah. More than once. Pope Benedict the Ninth. And tenth? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, if you look at the official registry of the popes, you, the, that even list anti-popes, he's not the not the tenth, but he's always the ninth. So this was this was a this bad guy. And he was elected to he was also the youngest pope ever elected. What year is this? This is uh, 1032. So not too long after the cadaver synod. Yeah. This, is, this is a pretty messed up time. It's about 100 years there. Yeah, a lot, a lot of historians call that the, the pornocracy, which it was just, it was so obscene, some of the things that were going on. It was such a bad period that, um, you know, there's really not a good pope among the whole lot about a 100-year period. Wow. And that a lot of the great reformers that would happen not too long after kind of were inspired by how terrible yeah. the situation had gotten in Rome. Creates a vacuum. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Pope Pius, so Pope Benedict the Ninth was the only pope to be elected twice and the youngest pope ever elected. You know how old he was? Twenty six. Guessing like third in his thirties. Eleven. Eleven. Oh, Eleven. Gosh. Wow. That's just crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How yeah. old is Joe now? 
Nine. Nine. So he's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. So he was born Theophila- he was born Theophylactalus of Tusculum. That was his that was his baptismal name. Mm. And because of again, you know, power struggles and different factions, he was elected the Pope at eleven years old. Now, the funny thing is that they said that in his theology, he was actually excellent in theology and incredibly orthodox. But his lifestyle was so bad and he was so corrupt that the, the kind of scandalous lifestyle he led of, of affairs and intrigue and, and mortar and everything, he was deposed, right? And then at the age, what age was they're just know? like, look, man, you in, need ten, to, in 1044, 1044, you need yeah. to put away the peanut butter. You're eating too much of this stuff. <laughs> you need to be moderate, Holy Father. <laughs> so they depose. Stop smacking your mother. So he's like 24 and he's deposed. So as another, as a 24 year old would do, he, he left for like four months and then uh, Pope <laughs> Sylvester III was elected. But then uh, Benedict IX got a little bit bored or. I don't know what 24-year-olds do when they're former popes. It's kind of kind of downhill from there. So he raised an army, and in the spring of 1045, he went and marched in Rome and deposed Sylvester III and retook the papacy for the second time. Wow. What a goomball. Okay. Yeah. But, then, but then once he got it, he was like, well, after a month, he's like, you know what I want to do? I'm going to get married. So what he did, his godfather, John— It's better. It's so up. his godfather— <laughs> This guy, his godfather, a man named John Gratian, was a very rich man. And he said to him, he's like, hey, godfather, I got an offer for you. You can't refuse. Do you want to buy the papacy from me? And he sold hit the seat of St. Peter to his godfather, who became Pope Gregory VI. Was he a bad guy, too? Because he kind of buyed it. If you're listening in, my face right now is just like shocked. And if you're watching, whoa. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe that. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the desperation of these people. So the second episode on our <laughs> new series called Pope Opera <laughs> will be covering these stories. Are there Fascinating. Any, are there any good crazy stories? <laughs> so I want something wholesome, I man. I mean, the elephant was okay. Yeah, the elephant was. So yeah, then, was but good. here's the thing. So then after getting bored and kind of burning through all of his. He picked his teeth with the elephant bone. Yeah. His, Toe. So after he burnt out, burnt through all that Godfather money that he sold the papacy for, Godfather money. and finding out that <laughs> what you know about that Godfather money, and finding out that marriage wasn't really that great either for him, he decided to become Pope for a third time. No way! And he led another army against his Godfather and dri- and <laughs> and deposed him. So he became Pope for the third time. You know what this kid is? He's a spoiled, spoiled brat. brat. Right. That's what he is. So then, what happened? He needs though, a good spanking. <laughs> But everyone said, no, you actually, there was a proper election of Gregory VI, your godfather. He's still Pope. But the Pope that he deposed before the Pope that he deposed, Sylvester III said, no, I'm still Pope. So at that moment in in 1047, there was three Popes all claiming to be Pope and all having pretty legitimate, although pretty, pretty. This sounds like a middle school fight in the yard. (laughs) Fight for power. Golly, man. Man, oh man. That's just. But anyway, so eventually there was the, the the German army sent by the Holy Roman Emperor came down and said, "Get this stuff sorted out because we can't we can't have three popes, can't have people it." People are bad. confused. They're people asking are confused. me questions. Yeah. I don't know what to say. So he was so Get he was it together. So he was deposed, excommunicated, uh, on, and on the charges of uh, simony, 
And he was sent to live in an abbey for the rest of his life where he had to do repentance and eventually- How uh, old was he at that point? And then he broke out and then he <laughs> got an army and then he hurt people. <laughs> no, no, he lived. He did live the rest of his days. And How made, old was he when he went to the, the abbey? Well, it's 1048 when he went, or 1056 is when he, was he like died. 60 or whatever. He died in 1056 and he first became Pope in- 11. 1032 at so 11. Like so he's like- 40-ish. 40. Wow. What How a life. How you have the restraint to do that? Yeah. Like, I mean, it seems like the guy just went after whatever he wanted. Talk about being led by an appetitive desire. Like yeah. everything that guy had an appetite for, he followed. Right. And, you know, the, the, the appetite for that it power. Creates. And it didn't matter who was in his way. He just bulldozed him. Yeah. So, yeah, you, know, you know, for all the people listening or watching, when, uh, you know, Pope Francis makes a little change to a catechism or puts a footnote in the document, be thankful that you're not living during the papacy of Benedict IX because it gets it's it could be a lot worse. And yeah. his real name is Thimonius Theophylactus of Tusculum. And if you're trying to figure out a name for your child because you're pregnant, don't do Theophylacticum. Don't ever do no. it. No, no, that's He's not a good gonna, You don't want that juju. He's going to be the seed of Chucky. We're going to be the Pope. Wow. <laughs> Talk about trying to discipline that kid. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Man. So, you I know. I should be happy and grateful. Yeah, too. you should. Mm. You know, if you want to talk about, you know, name changes and not wanting Theophylactus as your name, I think that's a good time to talk about why popes actually do change their name. Mm. I think I think it's because they kind of have a, it's kind of like, I don't know, confirmation. You have a confirmation saint name. Is that how that is? Not really. I mean, even the bishops now will tell you that if you have the current name of a, a saint that you shouldn't you know, in today's world, when you're getting confirmed, change it. Mm. I'm of the mindset, I think we should have patrons and the discernment process of our inner identity and the charism that God has given us. We should really relate that somehow in the tradition of our faith. And for me, I, I chose St. Valentine as my confirmation saint because I was so moved by- Because you're a lover. I am a lover. <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. I am Italian. You got to remember that. Well, in part, it was like, I, I really like the ladies. You know, when I was a middle eighth grade, eighth grade kid, I'm like, you know, awestruck. St. Valentine. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, man, the girls are like this, yeah, you know. Uh, so I, I chose St. Valentine. But what really struck me was actually his story, you know, that he was willing to give of his life to defend the dignity of marriage and mm. be thrown to the lions. And like, it just struck me, man, watching that movie. And there was only a few times cause I was just like a little wild child in that CCD class. Yeah. But you know, like it was really striking and moving and it spoke to me. So, you know, when it comes to, you know, name names and people throughout history, saints that have lived these remarkable lives, we should grow in an affection for them yeah. and a constant petitioning to them so that they could be our, our examples, mm -hmm. you know, of, of how we ought to live our lives. And I certainly don't want to live my life like uh, Theo, whatever, what is it? The Theophylactical. Theophylactus of Tuscan. Theophylactus, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say it it's 10 times to me and I still won't get it right. <laughs> I try to say it one more time. Theophylactum to me. Yeah, great. Sorry. <laughs> you Sorry. nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, yeah, no, and and you see it also in them naming, you know, because you had Pope Paul the what six, right? Or you know, you had John Paul the first, and then he passed away. It was like almost a month or whatever, mm -hmm. right? And then it was John Paul the second or something like that. Mm -hmm. John days. Paul the second was like, you know, 
I'm I'm in your yeah. footsteps and and he I admired John Paul yeah. the first so yeah. much yeah you know so there's admiration there and I think Jesus naming Peter also kind of begins this practice in a mm. way well I Be- mean even if you look to the Old Testament you see that when a person's life really changes for you know from Abram to Abraham yeah or you know Saul, Saul to Paul, Saul to Paul. Yeah. yeah or or, or Israel you know. I, you know, they're a new man and their new name reflects their, their new, their new identity. identity, Mm -hmm. But that's not the reason the Pope's do it. Yeah. Talk to us, Ryan Shield. I'm ready to smack a brilliant button here. So. Brilliant. There you go. (laughs) Pope John II was the first Pope to change his name. So his birth name, he was, he was an Italian. And his birth name was Mercurius. And when he was elected, he didn't think that it was really quite right for the Pope to have the name of a pagan god. Mm-hmm. You know, Pope, uh, pope Mercury is, mm-hmm. it didn't really fit. So the, the, um, the Pope, a few before him, was Pope John I. And he, would, he had been martyred. And not wanting to have a, a pagan or a pagano name. Mm. Pagans, he just pagans. went there. I know he did. I did. You know, we're not even at the Inquisition point. That's You're right. already bringing it to me. I know. Right at you, Padre. Do you know what Pagano, what it comes from in the Latin? Mm. And what it means? No. It comes from Pagnus, which is a person who lived in the countryside. So basically like a redneck, somebody who yeah. lived in the in the fields and worked and, and tilled the ground. And um, so basically like an Italian redneck. Right. So the, the word Pagano comes from Pagnus, which is Latin for this person that dwells mm. on the outskirts of the city. When Christianity was spreading, it primarily went to metropolitan cities mm-hmm. and it spread from there. So the Paganos or the Pagnus were the people that lived on the outskirts that had not received the message of salvation and the gospel. So that's where the name actually comes from. So you were pagan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just kind of. It's kind of happenstance. Hello. Do you know where Della Croce comes from? Of the cross? Yeah. Uh, My ancestors were left in front of a church. Church took care of them. Yeah. Mm. Of the cross. Yeah. Della Croce. Very common thing. Yeah. All right. What were we talking about? So we're talking about Pope. We're hoping about Pope John II changing his name because his birth name was Mercurius. Yeah. I would want to change my name if my name was Mercurius. Right. He didn't want to become the, you know, the Pope. As a, with the name of a pagan god, so I kind of like it when you think about like closest to the sun, all right, Mercury. Hmm. Yeah, but I, I think it was still a little bit fresher in their mind the association with pagan gods sure, at the time. Sure. So it's probably well, I'm less, a Pagano. That's probably right. why. Yeah, I like it. yeah, yeah, you're defending it. You're like, no, it's a great name. I actually, my name is Mercurius Pagano from now on. Heresy button. Call Man. me Mercurius. So he was the first pope to change his name, but then for a couple about 400 years after, no one changed their name as well. Uh, and they went back to taking their birth name because they were all, you know, typically Christian names. Um, but then um, there, was a, there was a cardinal elected in 983, again, right around that area. His name was Pietro Canapanova. And he didn't want to become Pope Peter II because he thought that was, no, not good, right? So he, um, he took on the name of Pope John Fourteenth, right? So, you know, there have been 12 Johns since then. Um, and oh, then man. his... Now, his successor, when uh, Pope John XIV died, was uh, Giovanni di Alba, so John. Mm-hmm. So he took his name as John XV. Following that, they started taking their own names and following along um, and taking changing their name 
And, and a lot of times during that time, right after that period, there was a lot of um, German popes, popes that had come from the Holy Roman Empire in Germany. And being the Bishop of Rome, they didn't want to come in with a very Germanic sounding name. So they also changed their name. So that kind of led to the tradition of popes changing their names. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. The not, l- not the way we were thinking. No. Yeah. The, the last pope who kept his name when he was elected was in 1555, Pope uh, Marcellus II. He was Marcellus. born. What a cool Marcellus. name, though, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was born Marcello Servini a... della Spanocchi. Oh, I, I grew dude. up with a guy named Marcello, really good soccer Marcello. player, great guy. Marcello. I like that. I name. might name my son Marcello in yeah. November. Praise God. To my dude, that's a great that. name. I like it. Jennifer, go with it. I love that name. Do it, Jennifer. If I could right. baptize the baby, I'd love to baptize I'd she baptize wants, you. You know what she wants to name him? Who? Dominic. Dominic? Yeah. Dominic's better, I think. No. No. Marcellus. Marcello. No, but then you got, you know, you got Marcellus. Vinny and Leo. Yeah, like it's a cool name. Well, real quick. So, you know, as far as here's a little stats on papal names. Um, there until Pope Francis, there had not been a new papal name in 900, since the year 918. He was, so he was the first pope to have a original papal name since 918. Uh, there's been the most wow. common name is obviously Pope John. And out of the, all the popes, there's only been 44 that don't have a that have unique papal names. Hmm. I was with the late Bishop Lassard. You remember Bishop yeah. Lassard from the seminary? Yeah, wonderful man, filled with joy. And I had the great privilege of going to check on him before the election. You know, the white smoke was coming up in the air, and, and the Holy Father's elected. So I went over and I said, you know, Bishop Lassard. Everybody's going to be meeting in the uh, in the gathering space of the auditorium to to see who's elected. You should come. Like it would be great to have you there. And he looked at me, and he's an elderly man, and he said, "Pagano, shut up and sit down." <laughs> so I like, sat down with him, and it was beautiful because I was I was his gardener for like four years in the seminary, and I took care of all of his plants and his property. And as he was getting older, I was taking care of him a little bit, and it was a joy for me. And I would fertilize all of his, you know, rose bushes. But there was this one stubborn rose bush. After a couple of years of fertilizing, the baby wasn't producing yeah. anything. So I just stopped fertilizing it altogether. It was all mangled and there wasn't yeah. really any green leaves on it. I never dug it up. So it was just, I just left it there. Do you know that that day when Pope Francis was announced was also the day that um, I was called to priesthood formally by my bishop in, in a written letter? Wow. It was an awesome moment of solidarity in that in that experience. But what was awesome was as I was walking outside before the election, I looked down at that little mangled bush and there was one red rose that came out of that baby. Wow. So I clipped it, put it in a cup of water, and then I put it next to the TV and we sat there and watched. And when he was named Francis, when he took took the name Francis, Bishop Lessard was a third order Franciscan. Hmm. And he was buried in the habit. He's, wow. you know, since passed away and, and he just had a great love for St. Francis and he just started weeping. Wow. It was one of the most moving experiences of my life. You know, that's and, amazing that a guy that, uh, you know, uh, that, you know, elderly, like still has this deep, strong connection, you know, with God, yeah. you know, even after all those years, it just never got stale. No. You no. know? Amazing. He emanated joy, Bishop Lassard. Yeah, yeah a good sense of humor, too. A great sense of humor. So, you know, that's actually a great segue, you know, talking about the election of Pope Francis and the conclave that, you know, brought him about. Uh, we did that on purpose. That, did you? That's, <laughs> no. that's excellent. No, I'm completely never, being no, you, you, yeah, yeah, like no, you two so guys random. are over there just, you know, going random, and I'm trying to, like, figure out how to keep it together. <laughs> keep it together, Shield. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
So Elliot. So he was elected in a conclave. Do you know why it's called a conclave, Padre? Conclave. That's right. With, with the keys. With the keys. keys. Yeah. Now, why do they think why is it called a conclave? Because they locked the That's cardinals right. inside of the room. That's right. You know, when I asked you earlier, you're like, well, it's because of the keys of St. Peter. <laughs> and I think that's a that's a nice way, that's a nice story to tell the kids, but it's really not quite that simple. So Or glorious. Right. <laughs> yeah. We have to lock these guys in a room. So in the papal election of 1268, there was again, go figure, warring factions as to who would be the next pope. There's different um you know, there's different, I guess, parties backing different candidates, and they were all very backed by very powerful, um, you know, kings or, or, you know, secular powers. And it went on where they couldn't come to an agreement because there was not back then. I mean, how many cardinals are there now? 150? Uh, I don't have no idea. Like a lot. A lot. Yeah. More cardinals These guys were going at it. They couldn't come to a. Right. A resolution or a, a, a pope. So it went from 1268 until um, following the death of Pope Clement the uh, fourth, and it was the longest papal election in history. It went on until 1271. It was a three-year interregnum. Mm. So finally, boring, <laughs> aburrido. Well, it's not good to not have a pope for three years in the church. Kind of. It's, need that. Yeah. Could you imagine being a cardinal? You know what it reminds like, me of is like our government, like our federal government, how they're always fighting against each other, mm -hmm. you know, and they never get anything done. Some mm -hmm. people say. Yeah, it was, it was basically a fight between the French and the Italian cardinals, and they mm -hmm. they couldn't come up with a candidate that would be fine. So what they did is they um, they the 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 secular powers locked the cardinals in a room, in in a in a decaying kind of a basilica that it was kind of falling out of use um, in the really hot August Italian weather, locked the doors and tore off the roof and said, we're not unlocking the doors until you guys elect a Pope. Mm. <laughs> that's a That'll standoff. That'll get it done. That's a standoff. Let's that's get right. it done here, people. It's official. So come that's on. that's where the keys come. That's right, because they were they were put under lock to now say, make know. up your mind. Now you know, now you know Father you Rich. Know. Yep, and that was, that was the election of Pope Gregory the 10th. Mm. Wow. wow. All right, so we got we got uh, we got an Inquisition question. Oh, we do. We oh, do. great. Oh, yeah. I'm, I've been backing him for the last few episodes. I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna sit and watch now. Really? Yeah, because I was kind of thinking. Did you just want to see my head chopped off in the gilly teeth? Yeah, but you've been doing good. Ah, trying, Not bad, man. Not bad. All right, should we? Let's see here. Let's go with a canonical question. Ooh, on marriage. Ooh. Okay. Do I get lifelines or is it just me? Give me your phone. <laughs> no lifelines. All right. A couple is validly married mm -hmm. and their marriage is valid. Mm -hmm. There's no questions about the validity. One of the spouses gets into, I don't know, maybe some kind of trouble and they're put in the witness protection program and it is assumed by all parties that they are dead. Or maybe they get crashed onto a remote desert island and they're written off as dead. The, the the remaining spouse enters into another. And the spouse doesn't know. The spouse doesn't Has know. Has no clue. There, I think there was a movie about that. The remaining spouse. It's called Cast Away. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think that was a Catholic movie. It was good. No, but it's the same situation. Right. Yeah. So, okay, so, you know, let's do it. Tom Hanks. Cry. Tom Hanks was in a valid marriage. He gets With cast away. With the volleyball? He gets. Oh. I think his name was. Uh, 
What was his name? I don't Duvall remember. Duvall. I think it, had it, had it did have a name. It's Wilson. 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 All right. Yeah, Wilson. Oh. So Tom Hanks is in a valid Catholic marriage. He gets cast away on an island. He's presumed dead. <laughs> yeah. And his wife, as in the movie, moves on with her life and marries the dentist. Mm-hmm. Who's and also a Catholic. Who's also a Catholic. And they enter into another valid Catholic marriage. Shout out to Catholic dentists, by right? the way. Wow. Because yeah. teeth are important. Yeah, right? teeth are so important. You're stalling. By no, the way, I'm, but like, I'm just thinking of Catholic dentists who have been wonderful to me and my teeth. You know the patron uh, yeah. saint of teeth and dentists? Who is the patron saint of teeth and dentists? Saint Apollonia. Ooh. She had, yeah. she was martyred. fun to say. She was martyred and had all of her teeth Apollonia. knocked out by the Romans. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. So. Saint Apollonia. Answer the question. No, I'm just trying to, well, I'm trying to dodge, man. <laughs> all right. So. I know this is a little bit of a pharisaical question, kind of the same thing that they tried to pull on Jesus on who's, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a valid marriage. In the kingdom, it is not so. <laughs> it's a valid marriage. Yep. He's presumed dead. Yep. The wife enters into a valid marriage. Mm-hmm. He comes back. How's that play out? With Wilson? <laughs> I'm guessing Tom Hanks right. is pissed. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Tom Hanks handled it pretty woman. well. He just goes back to the island. Yeah, just, you know, I'm going to live the rest of my life with Wilson. Think about that depression. That is really, really, that's very sad. Poor Tom Hanks, man. Tom Hanks, if you're listening. Come on down. We'll we'll, we'll buy a meal and get it. I'll I'll listen to all of your woes, man. We'll pray together. It's tough. No, it's a tough, that's a very, very tough question. So obviously. And I got to imagine that's happened before. I mean, it has to, I mean. I yeah. mean, not a lot, but yeah. What do you I think mean, you all think these about, like, stories of deserted islands come from? And yeah. sailors being and these, gone yeah, and, and presumed dead. shipwrecked and, yeah. yeah, and people move on. People move on. As they should. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't change the validity of, of the marriage. So is that an instance of valid Catholic? Uh, yeah, under the presumption of death, it clearly, you know, and, and they're, you know, there were rich. There was rituals done in Tom Hanks' case, right? And mm-hmm. the, like there was a, there was a burial. There was you know, so I mean there is a clear openness for this person, this woman, to get married. That's right. You know, so uh, the conflict comes in recognizing that there still is an outstanding bond created between Tom Hanks and his wife. That I is, think it was Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Yeah, yeah Helen was. Hunt. Man. Whew. Yeah, beautiful lady. Beautiful lady. But I'm Mary, allowed to say that. I'm a celibate that, guy. You know, that made it hurt more. Oh, yeah. buddy. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, dude. but, you know, Helen Hunt's been, you know, she's a polygamist, Dentist. a Catholic polygamist now in this scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. How would I pastorally guide that situation? That's right. Whoo-wee. Somebody has Let's to take a hike. Let's just go back to the Old Testament. Somebody has to take a hike. Yeah, but taking a hike doesn't remove the validity of the marriage. Oh, no, I was it's just It's ex operato operare. Oh, yeah, you hot-blooded Italian. Ryan Delacroix, what are you going to do when you he's come like, back hey, and you see your wife like, hey, with another man? Yeah, hey, Tom Hanks, take, hit the bricks. Helen's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, th- that is a clear case for therapy, <laughs> counsel, and figuring out. For canon lawyers. For canon lawyers. <laughs> To figure out, I spent you know a couple of semesters in canon law. If we got any canon lawyers listening, I know, yeah, hey, like let's nice go call. Uh, I'm, gonna in, it, I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, you know uh, Father Eddie. Father Eddie, I know you're gonna probably watch this, and you're a canonist. If you can answer this, yeah, give me, man, give me a call. I think this is this is the one where my head 
chopped yeah. off. Got man. him. One yeah, for, you got me. We're like because, one for five now. Yeah. I four. mean, my my presumption and my my inclination is to say that the the bond that, that is still living between Tom Hanks and Helen Hunt is the valid marriage. And now this yeah. new bond, it doesn't stand in the light of an existing bond that that's was created. Right. So that's my inclination. It lacked form. But did it? It didn't lack form. It did it. It, did lacked, it. it lacked freedom. That's right. So, yeah. which is an impediment. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think I think we're going to give him about an 8 out of 10 on answering that. But I, th I still think we stumped him a little no, bit. No, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great pastoral dilemma. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, no, very good. Yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, we're coming Ryan Shield, brilliant. Brilliant. Got brilliant. It. All right. I think All that, right, I think that wraps podcast, up this man. episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good episode. Yeah. I liked it. That's good. Thank you guys for uh listening in and watching. If you're watching us on YouTube, yeah, CatholicTalkShow.com. Yeah, go to CatholicTalkShow.com. Make sure you subscribe. Uh comment below. Uh, let us know what we did good, what we didn't do good. Send uh, us your feedback and yeah. your questions. Got any questions for the Inquisition for Father Rich? Let us know. If you got any ideas for episodes or things you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And uh, yeah, you know, make sure you make sure you listen next week. Yep. See ciao. you next week. Ciao, ciao.